You're listening to a Chirp Radio podcast. For more interviews and stories, visit chirpradio.org slash podcasts. This is Amanda Roscoe Mayo for Chirp Radio, and I'm here in the studio with Chicago metal band Arriver. Is it fair to classify you guys as metal? I know there's a little bit of prog rock in there, too. Sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'm here with three members of the band. I've got two Dans and one Rob here, two brothers and one metal brother, I guess. We're all brothers in Arriver. You're all brothers in Arriver. I love it. <laughs> so I wasn't going to bring up Jason Molina. But I saw that the name of the band came from one of his ideas for an imaginary band. And yeah, the just... idea was, uh, there, there was, uh, what was it? It was like a music festival, it's a hypothetical like, music festival. It's just trash talking in the van. So on tour, trying to entertain each other, amuse each other, impress each other. And so we came up with the idea for a festival and, you know, would make up all the names for the bands. And so there was... Uh, Spirit Funk and Toad House and uh, Arriver was the was the first band at every festival and they would they would show up and wipe the floor with everyone else. No one would want to go on after Arriver yeah. and they're very punctual. So um, hence the name. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's where it was born. So after we played, well after Arriver played, Spirit Funk and uh, and Toad House just wouldn't know what to do with themselves, which is kind of what happens now, more or less. <laughs> That is fair to say. I have seen you guys play live. So, <laughs> And just for our listeners who don't know who Jason Molina is, he was Songs Ohio and Magnolia Electric Company, um, one of the greatest minds in music, in my opinion. Um, and you guys all played in Songs Ohio, right? All three mm-hmm. of you? Yeah. Yeah, although at different times. Just a little background for our listeners. This is your third full-length release. It is, yeah. And it's about Chernobyl, so real light stuff. <laughs> um, what inspired you guys to write about such a catastrophic event that happened to humanity in well, 1986? We, our thing that we do is metal as narrative. I think we find it's it's easier to write songs and it's easier to organize our thoughts when we have some sort of overarching theme to work on during a period of time. We had, on the previous record, had a, a, a Russia-oriented theme also, and that didn't lead us directly to Chernobyl. But I I think there was another recurring theme, which is the the strength of the human spirit in the face of hopeless situations or situations that they don't understand, which Chernobyl certainly, you know, gave us an angle on. But we also, you know, Rob, you had been reading um, those comics, uh, the Manhattan Projects. Yep. So there was a certain amount of also atomic 30, dread in our minds. The 30-year anniversary. So it was kind of in the news. Um, but I think maybe we'd been... Well, we'd been writing before yeah, that. So yeah. what, what, what happened was, there were many things that happened, but like once a year you'd see on some prominent website a collection of photographs of wildlife that had returned to Chernobyl. And here's crazy wolves and here's you know, uh, here are wild deer and here, you know, here's an empty city that's, you know, the glass is all smashed out and there are animals that, uh, you know, have returned that weren't there and that there are all these overgrown swimming pools and that it just seemed like a sort of a verdant uh, topic, you know, just that this uh, reclaiming of a, of a man-made space by, by nature either, we ended up imposing sort of an animist story on uh, on top of it that, that we made up. But, you know, that there's this idea that man, man, man screws up and uh, collapses and that nature comes back and, and reclaims what it once owned. You know, you can attach uh, hubris 
to it, uh, you know, sort of an Icarus type of um, metaphor, as well as things that, that serve metal songs well, which would be, you know, death and destruction and chaos, and as well as uh, the sort of element of science, you know, people uh, sort of retreating to their laboratories to develop new technologies, you know, and uh, this case, reaping the repercussions. But there's also an element of hope and hope and redemption there as right. well. So how do you guys handle that in the composition of the music? It happens, um, I think we write first using guitars and stuff coming out of that's either prepared at home or else prepared together in rehearsal uh, organically. And usually we're playing for a while and writing a record before we agree on a certain narrative to attach to the music. And then once we do that, things tend to coalesce together. You know, so songs will be written, finished written, once the vocals uh, provide context for the music. It's hard to necessarily write a song completely if there isn't a vocal attached to it because lengths of things might seem arbitrary or an element of drama might be lacking from a part that seems plotting and then you put vocal on top of it and all of a sudden it comes to life. Having a narrative that we can turn to definitely facilitates writing an entire art of each other from sort of like past lives of know each other for a really long time from the Chicagoland area um, and something that you've talked about in other interviews is kind of like how Arriver is your family and like you do things for you can you mm -hmm. tell me like more about that what it means to like be totally Arriver centric well these guys are quite literally family and have been playing music together since you were kids yeah um, Rob and I went to college together and and uh, you know had my first, you know, and I, I should put finger quotes around serious, but my certainly my first serious band um, was with Rob. Um, and and an interesting footnote there is the I went to visit them one weekend, and within hours of meeting Dan for the first time, I was rehearsing to play with their metal band to do like Slayer covers, you know, for a gig or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, he and I have been playing together for you know decades now as well. Yeah, so we had a, a bluegrass band with the three of us and, a, and our older brother. Uh, Dan and I played in a band with our drummer Joe called Shiloh when we first moved to Chicago. Then Dan and Joe were in a band called Vise de Noir. Yeah. And Dan was, these guys were more, more serious out there trying to have a career in music. Dan was playing in Nad Navalis and Dan and Joe were in Vise Noir. Uh, and we hit some life changes. Joe was the first to have uh, a, a family, and uh, we all sort of backed off, or they all backed off from that level of ambition. And Arriver, I think, arrived because we wanted to keep playing music together on our own terms. So what does that mean, though, on your own terms? Does that just mean that everything that you... Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, so I think it means me quite means. literally <laughs> not giving a rats ass what anybody else thinks of it which, which isn't to say like of course we want people to like arriver but we're we're under no illusions that that's going to just sort of happen on the merit of the music that we're making 
So we're letting ourselves be guided just entirely artistically and uh, and really not sweating the <laughs> the most of the effort that you know bands typically go into trying to get people to to pay attention to them. I mean we we. We do what we can, but ultimately we're, we're focused on making music that pleases us. I think it's so important for the like maturity of a band to be able to like recognize that because so so much of our like artistic vision is about taking criticism and applying it to what you're trying to do and all of those things yeah. so I'm, I guess I'm just curious too if it has it been satisfying to take that approach? It's been much more satisfying than I can only speak for myself but my my previous playing in bands experiences. I, I think it, I've I've felt wonderfully unburdened by really only only caring about what these other three guys think. You've so. got a lot less positive validation from others. Obviously, what we're trying to do is communicate our art to other people, and so it's important for it to be validated or appreciated on some level. You know, I don't think any artist wants to just go Rob, I have a practical question for you. How do you like not destroy your vocal cords? Because you do all the growling and the like, yeah, scream. I don't even know what it's called. You kind of destroy your vocal cords. Do you? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a there's a technique involved. You got to make your your throat super relaxed and move as much air through it as you can. So the sound it makes is pretty quiet oh. compared to a regular like a screaming noise. Can you uh, give us a demonstration? <laughs> yeah, let, let me go warm up out in the uh, in the hallway for a minute. Uh, but you, the end result is uh, you don't project your voice as much. It's very quiet, and uh, so it's not as stressful as screaming like a punk screamer. I think, but yeah, you listen to these guys that have been out on tour for a month, and it doesn't sound great when they're talking into the microphone. So <laughs> clearly, there's a price to pay. But I think it's there's there's that sort of tube and throat singing element to it where yeah. you're, you're you're relaxing your throat and you're making like a vibratory mm-hmm. thing in a way that's like not conventional singing technique, uh, right? So. And lots of honey and lemon, or beer. <laughs> I, I've discovered whiskey is no good. That took me a couple of years to work that one out. Yeah, beer and fuzzy water. You want like bubbles really livens things up in there. Oh, okay. Good Carbonation. You know. All right, so you're going to you're going to go uh, warm up. Yeah, let's. <laughs> right. let's oh my god, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I love it. Question. Yeah. Here we go, ready? I'm ready. Thank you to me for I have no eardrums left. That's good. It's like a harmonica. Um, all right, I've got one last question for you guys. This is super important, so take your time thinking about it. What is your favorite kind of metal? Do you like alloy, steel, nickel? Oh, nice. Liquid. Mercury <laughs> for me. Molten. Yeah. <laughs> I like aluminum because I'm middle-aged and it's light and easy to carry. Mm, I'm going to give this serious consideration. Well, I think you got to go with the stainless steel, right? It's annealed. It's hardened. doesn't rust. It's extra heavy. Has built most of America. It's more difficult to to work with, but uh, has has clear advantages over mild alloy steel. Good answers. Good mm-hmm. answers, everyone. <laughs> well, before we sign off, is there anything you would like to say to the good folks of Chicago? I think I just said it. 
We're uh, playing June 13th at the Subterranean. Uh, it's an early show. Starts at 7 o'clock. Other bands are great. Um, Scum Lord and Druids. And we will be headlining that show. Yeah, and Chirp has um, earplugs if anybody needs them. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining thanks, me in the Amanda. today. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. This has been Amanda Rascomeo for Chirp Radio in the studio with Arriver. Find this and other interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Chirp Radio, hear what's next.